When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, welcome to a bonus episode of the Self Stop Podcast. I'm Cameron Tipsby. In a moment, uh, through the match of editing, we're gonna be transported to the back halls of the field house here in Indianapolis at All Star Weekend, where I caught up with ESPN's Tim Bontemps. Um, I asked him, I said, hey, you run this straw poll of MVP voters. You've become the first and last word on in season MVP conversations. What do you know about the MVP voters? What do you know about what MVP voters prioritize? What do you know about the state of the MVP race? And um, we ended up talking shop about basically everything MVP from Jason Tatum, from Nikola Jokic, from what voters prioritize, what they don't prioritize. So this was a really cool look at how to think about the MVP race in the NBA. So I will tell folks that the Celtics Up podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CNS Media Network. I will say preemptively, thank you for listening, like, and subscribe. And thank you to Tim Bontemps, who I, I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you do too. So sit back and I don't, I'm not going to say relax because it might bother some people, uh, some of the conclusions that we come, come to about the MVP race and Jason Tatum's place in it. But please enjoy my conversation with ESPN's Tim Bontemps about how MVPs are picked in the NBA. All right, Mr. Bontemps, you've been running the straw poll for, what is it, six years now? Uh, good question. Uh, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 24, eight years. Okay. Across eight seasons. So across eight seasons, you've been polling a mock electorate of would-be MVP voters. And I want to ask you about like, what you've learned about the psyche of an MVP voter. And, but first, where'd you come up with this idea? Um, in 2017, uh, the year that Westbrook won, after he went to, after Durant went to, Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, um, there was a very heated MVP race between Russ, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and LeBron James. And there was a lot of talk in early March about how the race might play out. And so I just said, well, if uh, if nobody really knows how it's going to play out, let's call people and see how it goes. So I asked a bunch of people that year, and I think James Harden had the most votes in that poll. So that was in early to mid-March. And then uh, over the next few weeks, Russell Westbrook had all these dramatic clutch shots to win games, including most famously the game... He set the triple-double record. I think he guaranteed he'd average triple-double yep. for the season or set the triple-double record or something in Denver, including hitting this game-winning shot. I think it was a 50-point triple-double, and he got a standing ovation from the crowd in Denver. And, like, the combination of the narrative of 
him carrying OKC to the playoffs without KD and um, him making all these plays in the clutch and all this stuff, it ended up lifting him over the line to win the award. And that was when I was at the Washington Post, so I did it again the next year, and then I switched jobs, and I didn't do it that following season. But then starting with um, the, what ended up being the pandemic-shortened season, 1920, brought it back again, and then after the pandemic sort of refined it, and now we've got it in a place where it's, you know, really try to model it after the actual vote as much as possible. And, you know, it's got a bit of a following. It's been a, a fun little thing to do throughout the year. Yeah, so humbly, to borrow Jason Tatum phrase, it's something of an institution in the NBA calendar now. I mean, as someone who makes content, thank you. It's great. Um, but it also, I suppose, it's it's kind of like a, a dog chasing its own tail in that we talk about media narratives really like anchoring the MVP race, and now we have this like institutionalized, let's have a conversation iteratively through the season. So I, I want to ask you more again about the psyche of the MVP voter, but... I think because you said the buzzword, how much do you think narrative like really does drive an MVP race? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, to win, it isn't the most outstanding player award, right? If you were just naming the best player that was pick the best player, the vote, the vote would probably be different every year than it is, right? By saying the most valuable player, you make it into a situation where there isn't a set criteria for how you are supposed to vote for it. It's just pick the most valuable player in the league. Well, you could say the most valuable player in the league is the best player in the league. You could say the most valuable player in the league is the guy who created the most wins for the best team, right? Like the best player on the best team is therefore the most valuable player in the league. You could say that there's some guy who lifted his team up from a level they like, they should be a team that's out of the plane and they finish sixth. Like, that's the reason, right? Like, it's really it's really a matter of whatever each individual voter decides is their criteria for it. And that's why it makes for such a compelling discussion point throughout the season because there isn't a – there isn't really a right answer, you know? Like, usually, like this year, there's several – very deserving candidates that if you wanted to vote for any of six, seven, eight, nine guys as your first place guy, it's a perfectly good argument to do so. But, you know, that's why it's a compelling discussion and why everybody talks about it so much and, and why this thing, you know, gets attention when I put it out because people are very curious with how it's going to shake out and who's going to win because ultimately. You know, as Joel Embiid said to me earlier this year, and I talked to him for a story about it, um, you know, MVPs and championships are, when we're talking about the top of the top, those are the things that really determine all-time greatness. That's why this stuff matters, and it's why it's fun to talk about. So, uh, your colleague, Brian Winhorst of The Hoop Collective, yes. uh, he ruffled feathers among Boston Celtics fans when he said, hey, look, I think people think about the 22 finals when they think about Tatum's candidacy. And I don't think he was suggesting that he necessarily feels that way, but he was saying his sense of talking to people who are MVP voters, that's just something on their mind. Um, not Brian's own perspective on that, but that idea writ large, first of all, fair or foul, and does that even matter? 
Yeah, I, I don't agree with Brian. I told him as much on our pod that you referenced. Um, I mean, James Harden has had all sorts of playoff failures, right? And he finished first or second in MVP, I think, five out of six seasons in a row, right? Yeah. The one year he didn't was when they were 500, right? So James Harden was universally considered one of the five best players on the planet. And I think that is much more indicative of where you land at the top of this poll. And I think, you know, Jason Tatum is, like I've said this a bunch, and people in Boston got mad at me, I think Jason Tatum is a fantastic player. I think he's more in the range of, like, the sixth to eighth best player on the planet than the first to fifth best player on the planet. And generally, if you look over the history of who wins MVP, it's one of the top five guys, right? So, and I think the fact that Jason has been sort of consistently somewhere between, like, fourth and sixth every year in MVP sort of reflects that, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good data point. He's been the best player on one of the best teams consistently, but his numbers aren't quite as good. And yes, I know you could say usage rate is part of it, but like his numbers aren't quite as good as Nicole Jokic and Joel Embiid and Luka Doncic, right? And he doesn't also quite, and this, this is the one thing that I think narrative plays a part in. I think he and Donovan Mitchell both, to differing degrees, have never really got the benefit of lifting a team up. Yeah. Right? Because they both came into the league on teams that were successful and yeah, have always been on really good teams. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Whereas a lot of these guys, like Shigos Alexander is a great example, right? He, you know, I think has probably seen, he was first team All-NBA guard last year. He's probably seen a little bit higher than Tatum, even though he hasn't had playoff success. But they're roughly in the same range. But the Thunder are an ascending team, right? And that's where the narrative part comes in. It's like they have a team where he's 25. The other four starters are 24 to 21. And they have a chance to have the best record in the Western Conference. The Celtics have quite, you know, everybody sort of universally thinks they have the most talented six guys in the league, right? Yeah. And so they're the best team in the league, but they also have the most talented team in the league. And so if Jason Tatum had been on a Celtics team that, won 32 games his first two years and then started to ascend, then it'd be like, oh, Jason Tatum is lifting Boston to a new level. When you're playing in the conference finals as a rookie, you don't get that same benefit of sort of like carrying the team on your back. Yeah, his career started, the Celtics were in fifth gear. Yeah, right. So like, which I think that to me is more of a, if you want to, 
and like dinging him is not the right way to put it, but like I think if you look at how he hasn't maybe gotten the benefit of a narrative push, I think it's more from he never got the chance to say he like brought a team from zero to hero or from the bottom of the top. Instead, it was like you said, he started his career in fifth gear on an awesome team, which has meant he's had a ton of huge moments. But yeah, I. I just never really thought that was the case with Brian. I also, like Donovan Mitchell said the same thing. I don't think anything that had to do with their play in the playoffs last year is why he finished seventh or eighth in this version of the straw poll. I think he's a fantastic player that's just not quite of the level as Nicole Jokic and Giannis and Luka and Shea and Kawhi Leonard. And, like, those are the top five guys. You know, like, yeah. if you're just picking guys, you're probably taking those five guys. So, like, I, I think, so, yeah, it's, but, it, it, you know, this is why it's an interesting thing, right? Because it isn't – some of it is just pure talent, and some of it is narrative. Like, I do think for a guy like Nikola Jokic, people are hesitant to give a guy a third MVP. Yeah, that puts you in really rarefied air. Yeah, like there's six guys ever who have won three MVPs in four years. It's Wilt, Russell, LeBron – uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and uh, I'm not blanking. When in doubt, but guess Bob Pettit. Who was not Bob Pettit. That's a good hoop collective <laughs> reference. The two guys who didn't, who have won six, or have won three or more. Oh, and Kareem. Yeah. The two guys who didn't, who have won three or more, are Moses Malone and Michael Jordan. Those are the eight players of all time who have won three MVPs or more. So you're talking about, like, the most inner circle Hall of Fame guys, yeah. right? Kobe Bryant didn't do it. I don't think Tim Duncan did it. Shaq didn't do it, right? There's like an incredible list of players who didn't do that. And so, Jokic has one title. He's 27, 28. Yeah, like, like he's, he's going to have an all-time great resume. Like that's yeah. a thing. He's in. He's entering his prime, arguably, especially as a big who is not like athleticism is a huge part of his game. <laughs> yeah, he's not. Like, putting... He's going to have a potentially very long prime. Like he could win... He could win several titles. He could win several MVPs. He could be considered one of the five or six best players of all time, maybe, or better, right? So, like, that's where, like, so you've got to clear a bar with that. But, you know, then you've got, like, the Shea narrative. You've got, you know, I think Giannis with the Bucks team that has certainly had a lot of drama around it this year. He's having arguably his best season. Yeah. But I think it will be extraordinarily difficult for him to win MVP for that reason. And then you've got Luka Doncic, who is maybe having the best statistical season of anybody and is universally considered a top-five player, but his team is, you know, right now in the play-in. You're probably not winning MVP if you're in the play-in. Right. So, like, it's, it's... And we haven't even said Kawhi yet, and Kawhi is increasingly yeah, making the case who's, who's if he a, hits 65 games. Yeah, who's having a fantastic year, and he's had all these injuries, and he's healthy and playing great, right? So all of this... This is a very roundabout discussion, but it's also sort of emblematic of the entire thing where you can, you know, we didn't mention Jalen Brunson, who's had an incredible year for a Knicks team that has, like, really been captivating and playing great. And, you know, we barely talked about Donovan Mitchell. We barely talked about Tatum, who are having fantastic seasons for great teams. Like, the league is just full of talent and full of great players. And, you know, people get very upset about this award every year. And I often just want to say, you know, there's just a lot of awesome players. It's not a crime to finish sixth behind these guys. Like, you know, they're great, great players. So, you know, like I said, 
it, it makes for a fun thing, and you know, the, I think the voting pool is a lot more sophisticated, like the league itself, yeah, than it was 10, 12 years ago when I started. I think people really care; they really pay attention. Um, you know, people study a lot of advanced numbers. They watch I'm, a lot of games. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the culture of revealing who your picks were and like backing that up. Uh, maybe feels heightened or more transparent. I, that might be a recency bias thing. Yeah, I mean, I think people usually would always say, like Gary Washburn said when he was like, we wrote a column explaining why he voted for Carmelo back in the day when LeBron, he was the one person who didn't vote for LeBron, which again, I thought at the time was totally fine. Like Carmelo finished 30, had a great year for the Knicks of only 54 games. Like, it was a totally fine vote. Um, but, yeah, I think... The fact that everybody sees the votes later and, like, everything is so online now, like, I do think that causes people to think about what they're doing. But, like, more than anything else, I just think because of League Pass and the Internet and, like, all like yeah. it used to be, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you have people would be working covering the league every day, but you would only see, like, you'd see Larry Bird come through your town once. You'd see yeah. Michael Jordan come through your town once. You'd see... Kobe Bryant or whoever come through your town once or twice and you have to like you know you kind of get snippets of them on national TV but now you know I mean you know this you you watch like you go to a lot of games at the Garden and then you go home and there's five games on at night we're watching games home. during press conferences yeah, it's like unbelievable just, content there's just stuff going on yeah like you know the night that um, Joel Embiid scored 70 points we were in the locker room he and I both had on our phones the Carl Anthony Towns going for 62 and like yeah. we we're watching to see if he was going to also get the 70 and that was happening the same night at the same time right so yeah I, I like I just think there's so much more data from film and games and stats and analysis standpoints for everybody involved that I think it's just way more sophisticated across the board and frankly I think the voters do a really good job and like I, I don't think it's it's very rare when you look back and go they really messed that up. Yeah. You know, like generally it's, you could maybe say another guy could have won it too, but I don't, I don't think we're ever going to have a year where it's like, I can't believe this guy won or it's a crime that so-and-so didn't. Yeah. I mean, the last few years are proof positive. If you look at any metric between Giannis Embiid and Jokic, you can like plausibly make a case for any one of them. Absolutely. I voted for each of them, each different one, each of the last three years. And I yeah. thought about all three of them each year. No question. So let me get you out of here on this. Now that you've done this, what do you think are like the three things that the voters prioritize, and maybe a, a thing or two that you think are like consistent biases? Um, I, I'm, you're probably going to sound like I'm probably going to think I'm ducking your question, but I, I don't. I just I mean, this is hard hitting journalism, right? No, but I just don't. <laughs> I don't really think that. I don't really know if any of that applies necessarily right like what do you I mean by that like i don't think i don't think there's any i don't think i haven't really noticed any like quote-unquote biases in terms of things people do or don't vote for um i mean i think like i said i think the one no but like i mean no not, but i not think like the a, one i yeah. think the one thing is like i said before i think people are sort i think it's not easy, but it's there's not a lot of thought in a guy winning two. Yeah, to get past two requires effort. 
like that, I think, like the bar does raise. That's when the season is not in isolation. Yeah, I think that. I think that's the one that sort of consistently um, stands out. Um, you know, like people have tried to talk about the playoff success thing, but like Giannis, I think had won maybe one playoff series before he won in 2019 yeah. the first time. Uh, Steph had won one playoff series, I think, before he won in 2015. Um, you know, LeBron, LeBron, I got to the finals year before the first time, but like, I don't think, uh, I don't think that, I don't think there's any kind of stuff like that. Like, I think Shea could very well win this year and he's never won a playoff series. So So I don't think that necessarily factors in. So what are the things that people prioritize? Um... Or like if they say they feel like they're in a tie, what I are the tiebreakers? Team success certainly matters. Like I do think, you know, like in baseball, we've seen some guys on pretty bad teams yeah. win, like create enough like value through WAR and other metrics where they're like that's become sort of a baseball sort of turned it into, which I don't think is wrong. That a better a best it's player basically. Award. We're doing we in baseball everything you you could basically determine all value across the board. Yeah. So we can very clearly say this guy is the most valuable player. And you can yeah. sort of just run a baseball reference search and pick who's going to win. Um, I don't think that really is the case in basketball, but I, I do think team success matters. I think you have to be on a good to very good team. I think Luke is a good example. Like if they were in the top four, I could see him being in first pretty easily, right? But sure. they're in seventh, and they probably can't get higher than fifth. So if it's, say, Denver, Oklahoma City, Dallas, third, fourth, and fifth in the West at the end of the season, I could see Luka getting right in the mix because yeah. then there's no real difference in the standings. Um, so obviously individual success matters. I think team success matters. And, you know, I think in general, other than the, the three MVP thing, I don't think there's a lot of biases, but I just think it, you know, it's like anything else. It's as the season plays out, different contours emerge and how the race is going and um, who's, you know, sort of standing out as the story of the season. And, you know, for, like I said, like a team like Oklahoma City, it's a great story. And if they finish with the second best record in the league yeah. with a starting lineup of guys 25 and under <laughs> yeah. and the guy who's the best player is awesome, like that's a pretty compelling package to say that guy's the most valuable player in the league because you don't expect – that team to be in that spot and you know but the fun thing about this is coming out of the second straw poll I guess it was Wednesday yeah, it's been a long feels like a month ago yeah it's a long week it was just six days ago um I thought it went largely how I expected and I also think that there's several guys who have a real chance to win yeah and I think sort of what happens over the next six weeks will probably tell us who's going to win the award in uh, when the voting's done in mid-April. But it's it's become a fun thing to do and makes for a fun talking point for us to have throughout the year. Sure. Well, for anyone who's wondering, Jason was asked about this yesterday at All-Star Weekend, and he said, I guess I have some work to do. So he knows he's in the sixth-ish place. and he's sounded got some- like he had heard what Brian said. He definitely had heard what Brian said. <laughs> well, Tim Bontemps, uh, among other things, you do the MVP straw poll. You're on the Hoop Collective, and what do you? What do you? What's your job title at ESPN? My editor says don't use insider. How do you refer to yourself? 
Hey, Justin. Uh, hey, what's up, Justin? Uh, how do I refer myself? I, I mean, I'm, I'm a combination of stuff, I guess. Uh, I do a bunch of league-wide stuff. I cover the Eastern Conference for us. So, I don't know. I usually the same day reporter. Just a reporter. Pretty, pretty, yeah, it's sort of whatever whatever needs to be done on the day. It's a it's a wide range of stuff, as you know. League's never boring. Well, anyone who's listened this far in or read this far in <laughs> knows your bona fides, so I'm sure I'm sure they don't really care about your LinkedIn. All right, Tim Bontemps, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, just for fun, who do you think is going to win All-Star MVP? Uh, I've, I've got Dame or Steph. I think they both won it the most. Dame or Steph? Although Steph's not starting, right? No. Uh, he's not. I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to win MVP. Right. Usually it line. comes down to uh, who wants to win, and Tyrese has done a very good job of getting himself out there this year. And as long as his leg is healthy and he's not too tired from doing everything this weekend, I think he'll make a push for it. He's starting, which is a big thing. Like Tatum, I think, was correct yesterday in trying to think of who was starting yeah. in the game. And he's got he's a point guard. He's gonna have the ball a lot. And we saw we, we've seen a few other guys win as a hometown guy, Anthony Davis, most notably that I can remember. So I I could see. Uh, but the more I think about it, LeBron has won like several All Star games in a row. So I'm trying to think of who's a younger guy. Like Anthony Edwards would be interesting, but he's talking about shooting left-handed the whole game. Yeah, that was something pick, else. Kind of hard to pick him. Scotty Barnes seems like he's doing his own thing. <laughs> yeah, lots is very. It's just it really. I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with Alvin because right, ultimately it comes down to motivation, and I I do think he is particularly motivated. So why not? We'll sure. Go. Well, I'll take Dame and we'll see, see what happens. We'll see the finish line. All right, Tim. Thanks again. Anytime.